Optimist Magazine. I'm Steve and Adam Myros. What's your favorite Offspring song? Uh, I don't know. Probably Come Out and Play. <laughs> that seems fine, right? It was like That's before they were obnoxious. <laughs> yeah. You, I guess, yeah, you, you could choose something off of Smash, but the, the true correct answer is just no. Uh, Jack, <laughs> that, how about that's you? Fair. My, oh, I'm, I'm a big Pay the Man fan. Closer of Americana. They're really, they're, they're venture, they're psychedelic. Mr. Fucking Deep Yeah, they're psychedelic <laughs> journey into, into prog rock by making an eight-minute song that has kind of a riff in it and some, in, like, like, they have like a zitar or something playing there in the middle. Uh, <laughs> heavy shit, really life-changing at the time. Uh-huh, I mean, you uh-huh. could always go with yeah. their cover of "I Want to Be Sedated." <laughs> Let's not go with that. I think is uh, is the option. I don't know. I mean, I always feel like the Offspring is at their best when they're not playing their own music. You know, uh, kind of deferring to someone else to actually craft the song. I think but it I kind of it uh, it holds true. I I feel in this. Uh, well, obviously, you'll figure out soon enough why this is relevant, but. I don't, I, the man's voice is uh, infinitely less annoying when he's singing I Want to Be Sedated than it is when he's singing a standard Offspring song. Yeah, and credit to, is it is it Dexter? What is Dexter his name? Holland. The yeah, yeah, the, the, yeah, the man Holland, in The yeah. Offspring. There's three other men in The Offspring, but there's just Dexter oh, Holland. One of them is Noodles. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sure, yeah. Noodles is, is the guitar player who's looked like he was like 65 years old since like 1992. He does look older than the rest Dexter of them. Dexter Holland. No. I, I know but, he was uh, part yeah. of this recent uh, Bud Light fiasco where he responded to the uh, the right wing by declaring that he and all of his friends would exclusively drink Bud Light on tour for the rest of their days. Or something. Why would you commit to that? I, I, I have no idea. That's uh, insane. Well, oh, man. yeah. I mean... You know, solidarity, Mr. Noodles, but you don't have to drink that much Bud Light, dude. I, can, I feel like I, I can uh, support trans uh, rights, which are, you know, human rights, as they say, without drinking bad beer. I don't need to do both those things. I don't think so, Jack. Yeah. That's not the is way of the world. This is what capitalism has served me up. God damn. It is a nice reminder that you can be a trans ally, but also write really shitty music, too. You know, those things, they, they can go hand in hand. Uh, yeah, yeah. Anyways, uh, let's not talk about the offspring anymore, because God, why would you want to? <laughs> it is amazing, though. Like, Dexter Holland, he, he sings with such confidence and gravitas, you know, which is incredible because he has one of the worst voices in the last, like, 40 years of rock music. I think I think we uh, should... It's, it's like nasally and forceful we we should keep we should keep the movie that actually ties all this together till last and just like switch in and just not explain any of this for as long as we can well you know jack i've got to hand it to you because that's exactly what we're doing because uh wouldn't you know we watched uh, uh, i don't what what the fuck is going on are these house movies they all have this is adam this is adam's project this, these are all movies Adam loves and would stand yeah. up for at any time. Adam would die yeah. for these movies. He, w- he would die for this shit. I mean, Ride or die, uh, this right? was my pitch, but <laughs> keep in mind, I, ha- I have not seen any of these three movies until this week, so I, I don't know if I can declare my You, you never love, saw Idle uh, Hands until this week? What the fuck? We could have told you I it's wasn't not that fucking good. sicko like you, Jack. I, I wasn't I wasn't. Oh, sorry, did you not think Jessica Alba thing. was hot in 1999, Adam? That was, that was beneath oh, you? Yeah. Uh, I mean, 
I I don't really care about Jessica Alba. And there's you know most actresses you see in, in most movies are are pretty hot. Jack, that's, that's, that's <laughs> the way things go. Well, in case you didn't figure it out yet, we are we are talking about. I think the the unifying theme here is hands that kill. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, but somehow we it as limbs Yeah, but kill. somehow somehow we never limbs we never kill, did yeah. like uh, encounters of the spooky kind of Sam Hung movies that's actually fun. No, we just did three movies that aren't that much fun about limbs that kill. So well done us. Fucking big well, pat on the back there. The the first thing I I want to talk about is I want to talk about the Oliver Stone movie that the hand <laughs> and I have to say probably the best Oliver Stone movie. It's a shame he never made a good one after that, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, it's certainly more subdued than most. We'll say. Yeah, this that. one doesn't feel like it was. <laughs> Which is this amazing. one doesn't feel like it was just directed by a human-shaped lump of cocaine. So that is something for his eighties output. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I I think I'm pretty loud and proud, not an Oliver Stone fan, but uh, yeah, this one is actually it's fucking fun because I think Oliver Stone is kind of a goof, but. Later in his career, he was a goof who who felt very important about you know it's a lot of self importance. And here he's he's like I've got the skills, but I'm and I'm just gonna lay into being a goof and it's no big deal. And that's what I like because it's a hundred percent sincere as a movie, but it's also about like super fucking coked out Michael Caine who looks like homeless Gene Wilder, and he's murdering or maybe not murdering people because his fucking hand got torn off by a semi-truck <laughs> and honestly it's pretty great and I, I think the best thing about it is I I guess I never thought of Oliver Stone as you know someone who was into 1950s horror and sci-fi but then you watch the hand and particularly the scenes where the titular hand is killing people and it's a real like throwback it even i mean it goes black and white and everything uh but the way he shoots it and the use of light and shadow and just kind of the goofball uh approach to everything it's it's fucking perfect man uh now is this truly a great movie no come on now but i, I think a lot of people shit on this one and i don't know why it's it's pretty fucking compelling i gotta say i think it's because those people like oliver stone and this is again just not uh, an yeah, Oliver Stone. Be, yeah, I, th I think there's also an issue that this is within the the recognized michael kane has admitted he did it for a paycheck canon like alongside jaws 4 and uh, beyond the pot poseidon adventure the hand is also mm. like michael kane has been not not just that he said he did this for money. He is very specific that he did this for a down payment on a garage. Like he has these specific receipts <laughs> on hand for why he made the hand. And I got you know you gotta admire it, but it does mean a lot of people come to like, oh, it's just the movie he did to pay for a garage. But you know, I think that the hand really falls into, particularly again as you talk about like you know the 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 onslaught of digital photography and the kind of like the 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 current mores of cinema today. Uh, like The Hand, it's a real movie. It looks like a real movie. And there's so many movies nowadays that mm -hmm. are like real movies and they're supposed to be important. I'm supposed to care about them. And they just look like fucking shit. And The Hand, is, it's mm -hmm. uh, for all its weaknesses, you know, it looks like a movie. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it's it's a it's a handsome little guy. And, uh, you know, even even the sets are great. I love the like the, the rustic cabin that Michael Caine ends <laughs> up in in California. It's it's fucking great. And really, you know, 
going to continue to shit on Oliver Stone here, but there's, there's two types of cinephiles out there. Either you're down with the hand or you like to give your buds handies while you watch W. So choose what fucking camp you're in. I mean, I feel like I'm in hand. I feel like I'm I'm this thing because like I I haven't seen Platoon in years, and I feel like Platoon is probably like the linchpin Oliver Stone. Like, I don't know if that's a good movie or not. I really haven't seen it in like literally over 20 years. Um he definitely Mm -hmm. went off on on some misadventures in the 90s, but you know, Scarface is interesting i mean he only wrote that he didn't direct it and it just it, the whole movie is like uh-huh. it's a lot um but you know it's it kind it's kind of fun it kind of works it's it's kind of captures the vibe of 80s uh 80s economic policy and international politics which is basically just murderous mm-hmm. cocaine um you know i think that was driving a lot more than people maybe even realized at the time um so yeah but but the hand comes in a little bit before that this is um is this stone's like only second or third film as a director i think this is even be it's his second second feature feature. yeah and and it's kind of like you know he's he's like he became known obviously platoon was the breakout and it was because stone was a vietnam veteran but this one is is much more just kind of like he's just a work work a day director trying to make kind of elevate material and the material is suspect at best in this film, to be honest. But he, he does a pretty good job, I think. He, mm-hmm. I think he warms it up nicely. Yeah, and, and honestly, this is... It, I'd like to see the film that he made before this, which I don't even know if it's readily available. D- um, they, literally it, just uh, this week, uh, they have discovered yeah. the original camera negative for it. I, I don't recall the name, yeah. but it's like Frenzy. It's or, called Seizure. Seizure. Yeah, seizure, so, so seizure, literally just yeah. this week, a, a boutique label, I don't remember which one, have said they have discovered the original camera negative for, for Seizure. So I, I'm guessing a restoration is we'll coming. see it eventually. Super then. cool. <laughs> I mean, that's great news, even if you hate Oliver Stone. Any Anytime they discover original mm-hmm. camera negative is cool. But yeah, it, it's kind of weird, because you don't think of Oliver Stone as like a horror movie director, but that's actually where you got to start, because no. Seizure is a horror movie, and The Hand is kind of that too i mean it's a disembodied murderous hand chasing a cartoonist across the nation which is not necessarily yeah. a breakdown anyone was really anticipating but uh that's what we've got mm-hmm. i mean i, I, yeah, I guess and, i'm not I really, as hard on old oliver as, as steve is for sure i i think i mean certainly 9-11 fully broke his brain and it's not worth seeking anything out at, after that but uh i don't know he's not like He's a maximalist. He's in the Tony Scott school of filmmakers too, and that I I can get behind that on occasion. I think it, it makes for a a very checkered filmography, depending on what material he's tackling. But this is almost unrecognizable. I was expecting something like, if you look at early De Palma, he's like going harder when he's younger than than he was at any point. You know, it's just like camera tricks, all sorts of editing madness, and that's kind of what I expected with this. But really, it's it's incredibly reserved. There is some interesting stuff in this. I'm not sure what exactly he's doing. Like, there's a few points in the transfer where it gets like, and I really, I wasn't able to nail down what he's doing, but yeah, it switches to black and white in a few places. In a few places, it does mm-hmm. like this, this like flashing effect, like this white flash in the image. And then it gets really grainy, but it doesn't look like it's slowing down or anything. Like, I'm not, I'm genuinely not sure there's some kind of application to the film but I don't know what it's doing because it still looks kind of normal, but the grain of the film becomes much more pronounced. Um, really, I'm, I'm kind of curious what it is. It's kind of an interesting thing, but it's not like a very 
obvious recognized camera effect. Um, I'm not sure if he's just playing around manipulating with with some element of the the camera film, you know, to, to like. I honestly, I don't know, but it's there. It's it's a very notable visual affect to the film, but I don't know exactly what it's doing or what it's supposed to do. Yeah, sure. And the frame uh, flash is obviously something he's carried forward. It's like super prevalent in like natural born killers yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. Sure. Uh, yeah. And I, I don't know. I, I like the more subdued Oliver Stone because obviously 80s Oliver's working through Vietnam. That's fine. And 90s. Uh, that's where he really starts losing. Well, 9 11 happens. He completely loses his shit. But he's just like. Basically, for you know, twenty straight years, he has this slow evolution of turning into what if your coke dealer just was zooted off his ass twenty four seven and just hitting refresh on like the Politico homepage. Yeah, no, there, there's definitely like a, a large part of Oliver Stone's career is literally he's he's kind of like your older cousin who smokes a lot of weed and tells you like verified facts that no one else is aware of. That's a very strong vibe to Oliver Stone cinema. It's like, man, you know they're all lizards, right? And it's like, oh yeah, okay, cool. And like it seems it seems trustworthy at the time, but then you're like, is any what is he doing? It's kind of yeah. Yeah, I think Oliver Stone oh, might take more of a beating now just because it's like he feels like a, a nexus point for sort of conspiracy culture in America, which whether that's deserved or not, I don't know. But uh, yeah, nonetheless, it's hard to watch something even as sort of stately as JFK now because it's like, this is, it launched a thousand ships, baby. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, yeah, so I, I don't know. I mean, the, the hand is awesome, not only just because it's, it's well-written and it's well-directed and Oliver Stone is, I mean, he's legit good. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to talk shit about this this movie as far as the direction goes, but uh, Michael Caine, he kind of carries it for me, which I wasn't expecting because, you know, reputation, this is a paycheck movie, but he is exceptionally good. He's great. At being a colossal dickhead who is <laughs> just is, sort of... If you like teetering on the yeah, edge. If you ever want like proof that Michael Caine was a movie star, I mean, the hand is it. Because, yeah, he, he just... He's not doing a lot in the movie, but he absolutely centers and grounds the whole thing. And he's very obviously, like, mm -hmm. on record saying, like, I just, this is a stupid movie I did for money. But just the gravitas of, of Kane's presence kind of, yeah, centers a movie about a man who gets his hand lopped off in the most absurd car accident known to man. And then just kind of, like... I, I, I don't know, just quietly kind of recovers himself while his, his wife is going off doing experimental yoga um in the most insane oh i love her yoga class because everyone's doing something different no one's doing yoga it's it's actually just like a contemporary jazz <laughs> dance class they didn't know what yoga was so they're like just making it up it's like i think this is, i think everyone just wears leotards and gets sweaty uh i think that's you know oh my god yeah and credit credit to stone for the writing here again because the characterization here is fantastic <laughs> like you didn't need all these little details necessarily but that's what makes this a cut above, you know, typical exploitation shock because, yeah, it's like, oh, well, Michael Caine is a cartoonist and, you know, so he loses his hand and obviously that, you know, fucks up his life. But also it's like they get really into 
the the comic that he draws, <laughs> which is some like fucking Turok the dinosaur. <laughs> it's the, yeah, it's basically like Ator, the fucking Joe D'Amato coded spinoff, but like an actual cartoon strip. I, I don't know. I don't even remember what it's called. Yeah, it's something like it, it's pretty much just Ator. It's something like that. It's goofy yeah. shit. And then he gets mad when his, you know, so after his hand gets lopped off, he, you know, the, the company that runs his, his comic strip and newspapers, they hired an artist to help him. And he gets mad because the guy makes, you know, Ator have feelings, essentially. <laughs> he's got, like, thought And, bubbles. like, have thoughts. <laughs> yeah. So he's having this argument. He's literally like, no, he doesn't have thoughts. Why would he think? <laughs> you feel like that is coming so directly good. out of like meetings because Oliver Stone was like did rewrites on Conan. I think it was like John Millius and then Oliver Stone. Yeah, that's Stone. what I was going to say. Why are you guys saying Ator when he fucking wrote I know he did, but you know, Conan yeah. Yeah. But, but Conan is one thing that Oliver Stone did work on, but the cartoon like that's 100% like it's it's based off the spin-off, you know. It's 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 a cheap cheap cash-in job, it feels like, especially since Michael Caine definitely didn't draw any of it. They should have let him do his own art. We should. Yeah. That would have been a cartoon <laughs> strip. That would have been amazing. <laughs> but yeah, this is like, <laughs> it's just Oliver Stone airing some shit out. <laughs> and then I, I, love, I love the wife, too, because... She's awful! It's, she's, yeah, she's terrible. Like, as terrible as he is, she's a fucking she's even a bigger piece of shit, because... Oliver Stone just predicting the uh, you know dot com bubble like <laughs> modern San Francisco person uh, who just does yoga all day and like runs off with some like spiritual leader to San Francisco. It it is amazing <laughs> shit. that like Michael Caine, it's absolutely like queued up as like just a kind of like self aggrandizing piece of shit, and somehow Oliver Stone makes his wife worse. Is really, really <laughs> spectacular piece of writing. Fantastic stuff. Uh, really exceptional. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, the, the fun thing about The Hand to me, I think, is that there's, um, like, it is, it's an entertaining movie, but it's spread real thin. Like, like this is, it, it's based on a book called The Lizard's Tale, which I would assume is coming from an early scene in the movie, probably repeating what's in the book. Of where where Michael Caine's daughter finds like a, a, a an ejected lizard's tail, as we know, lizards, many species of lizards, pop their tail off as like a, a, a distress response, and the tail twitches and it distracts predators while the lizard runs away. And in this case, you know, she finds a tail and she a lizard's tail, and she's like poking and it's still trashing around. It's like, how does it know it's still alive? And he's like, it's not still alive. Don't worry, darling. Or whatever you know, because he's Michael Caine. He's like, <laughs> shut up. But uh, this is the, this is the movie, and it's like that's the the like setup for the whole movie. But it doesn't really work. Like his hand then gets lopped off, and his hand goes on a murderous revenge fest. Is it like a lizard's tail with some kind of sense memory, or is it just firing synapses? No one knows because that's not really applicable to the film at all. It's it's an incredibly like thinly spread metaphor, but uh, who cares? It's it's absurd and it looks great. So um, that's kind of like and people just mm -hmm. get strangled and he hooks up with a college student. It's just a bunch of like basically yeah. like uh, like baby boomer neuroses just tied all together and just strung along for an hour and forty minutes. Yeah, there's like a, a yeah, Michael... forty five minutes of this movie that's just like. Bruce McGill and Michael Caine like <laughs> arguing over uh, who gets to fuck an 18 year old right. or something. It's like <laughs> who they both really respect, by the way. 
She's a good <laughs> Even though she's just a cash. <laughs> Couple of real woman respecters, yeah. It, and that's the problem, you know, Michael Caine simply cannot stop having sex with children and strangling people. It's, it's horrible, he just can't. Oh, it's, it's really relatable thing. 80s content, yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just, yeah. it's such a... Like, there's this really interesting veneer to it that, yes, he's lost the hand, and then the hand has... The hand seems to be acting on its own. It, like, it, it it ruins the... You know, he was complaining about this guy who took over his comic strip and ruined it by making him a big, you know, girl's blouse, thinky guy. So, you know, the, 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 the main plates get all smeared with ink and ruined. And Michael Caine didn't do that, but the hand did that. But maybe, maybe Michael oh, yeah. Caine and the hand are actually one and the same. Maybe there is no reanimated hand. Except, spoiler alert, in the last scene, there is definitely a reanimated hand. So it's it's one of those movies. It's kind of like, what if, you know, blurring the line? Is it, fan mm -hmm. is it dark fantasy? Is it something external to Michael Caine? Is it both? Who knows? Makes you think. But, it, it, you know, like I say, I, I think there's a problem that at a certain point you're like, you can't really think about this too much. It really falls no, apart. No. If a certain amount of thinking, you hit a brick wall and then there's just Michael Caine banging a college student because he's lonely. That's the film. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this yeah, is, and this it's is like a movie. filthy dump cabin. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah. After he... Uh... I, I, that was a weird setup too for old Oliver, where it was like he gets her this Christmas gift, and you're like, "Um, oh, is he like falling in love with this woman or something?" Like he got her this meaningful gift, and she's leaving on this sex vacation. It's like, no, he got her a sexy necklace. I'm like, is that <laughs> yeah. really the beat right here? We're going for? Oh, fucking army green lingerie. <laughs> <laughs> Every Vietnam vet's favorite. Yeah, I don't, it, it's it's a strange thing, especially because a lot of people, again, not really well respected, but a lot of people seem to read it as a movie that's like going for a twist or something, and I'm like, I don't know, I, I guess if you're like taking that last seed as like the most literal thing possible, then sure, but there's no point in this movie where, where I'm like, oh, there's a hand crawling around. Yeah. No, it's just, it's no. just like, the, no, this guy's losing his fucking gore. Yeah, yeah. The only thing that that the movie—it's not really a twist. It's just a continuation of what you've seen. But the movie largely stays out of the realm of of camp for most of the runtime. But then at the very end, when Michael Caine is is fighting the hand, and then he's in prison—I don't know—getting his brain probed about the hand. Then we go into high camp territory. But that's really the only thing. It just kind of shifts into high gear in the last ten minutes, and that's it. But yeah, overall shit, man. Don't fucking sleep on the hand. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's pretty really good. Stupid. And also, worth mentioning, has a, a cameo for Oliver Stone as the first victim of the hand. It's a, as a homeless man who's just like, he plays he plays that role mm. for all it's worth. Uh, and obviously ends up being <laughs> strangled. And it's kind of like, I feel like a lot of people have probably thought that about Oliver Stone. So it's good that he put it in one of his very first movies. As this is an yeah. Oliver Stone script, I believe it, yeah. Uh... He is uh, credited, of course, as Bum. You know. As Bum, yes. And, and he yeah. puts his all Bum, into the yeah. role, and he just gets killed in, a, in an alleyway weirdly replete with, like, fruit baskets or whatever, like, you know, like the, the wooden trays <laughs> for carrying fruit around in, in like, wholesalers. Weird, that's just what's there, and he's, he, gets, he gets killed uh, by Michael Caine, but maybe not. But it is Michael Caine, because otherwise the movie mm -hmm. doesn't make goddamn lick of sense. <laughs> 
Yeah. You, and let, you know what? You, you want to watch an Oliver Stone movie? What are you going to do? Fucking throw on Savages? I don't think so. <laughs> Just, uh, watch the hand. Come on. Come on. What are you doing? Now, <laughs> I guess, I guess moving on, uh, where do you go after the hand? Well, why not the whole ass arm? And Myros, I think this, this speaks to your ongoing infatuation with the handsome Jeff Fahey. Yeah, that's uh, why. We that's watched, why we're we doing this episode because you, you guys were Jeff really. Uh, <laughs> you guys, uh, Jack especially, was disparaging poor Jeff Fahey in, in the last VR episode. I just, I just can't get on the same level. That's coming back. You see, because I'm like Jessica Alba, but apparently Adam is all into 1991 Jeff Fahey, and I'm just saying, I think you know, I think it, equivalent like Jessica Alba is at least as attractive. As Jeff Fahey, I think. Uh, I, I tend to think, I go for more interesting looking folk, <laughs> personally, you know. Jessica Alba's like, you know, a precision manufactured oh uh, beauty. Uh, you know. <laughs> Ouch. Jeff Fahey has more of that rugged shot. Yeah, with he's a weird fucking 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 he's a weird baby blues. guy to be a lead in movie. That's for fucking sure. Part of the yeah. weirdness of him being this a lead. Is, this is the most handsome he's ever been, as yeah, far and as and I'm part of the He looks like I'm just going to say, part of the weirdness of him oh, being, being the lead is kind of like, because Jeff Fahey's never quite charismatic enough, which, to be fair, is something you could also level against Jessica Alba, 100%, but it is it is a little bit odd. It's kind of like, he's got everything, but not quite. But here he is in another movie in the lead role. It's it's peculiar. Mm-hmm. I think there's, I'm going to go with bit of Lawnmower magnetism. Man as his prime beefcake role, i got to say. Mm. Oh, yeah. Well, because he's shirtless. Well, yeah, he's oil he's I mean, now he's... The, the sexy smart uh you know lawnmower man then then joe yeah. is really is rocking it in that mm-hmm. yeah he's he's very fuckable in that movie but <laughs> i i don't know like his hair is just so fucking good in this he looks like like if if chris pine fucked maxwell caulfield you know like the, <laughs> the guy who played rex manning in empire records oh, yeah. it's real good like it's 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 an incredible look uh but yeah so w- what happens <laughs> Another whoopsie. Where do we go from here? <laughs> so this is great because it's just like, I, I, I love when I watch a movie and it's just dumb guy's version of something I love. And this is exactly that. This is real dumb guy David Cronenberg shit we got oh, going yeah. on here. <laughs> and it's, it's so beautiful. But, you know, Jeff Fahey is a uh, strong but sensitive doctor a uh, psychologist who works for the prison system and it's his job to determine if someone is insane or if they are sane then they can be put on death row and this causes a lot of internal conflict for him because he's like what is the nature of evil and how can i hold a man's life in my hands he just says that we don't really he, like, yeah he speaks it. all the the, <laughs> the key talking points out loud very literally at one point towards the end of it he literally says if a tree falls in a forest and no one is there to hear it what sound does it make these are the the philosophical inquiries of, of body parts <laughs> It's real good because he's writing like an academic paper and he puts that in a fucking academic paper, which is incredible. And then he ends it with talking about uh, the arm that he got, which comes from a serial killer, as we as we find out eventually. And he's just like, yeah, bitch, your arm's mine now. And then his wife is like, is that how you want to end this academic paper? And he's like, yeah, you know, a little bit of humor. No. What are you- <laughs> What the fuck are you writing like a, a, a article for Gawker? What? You... <laughs> no, absolutely fucking not. 
Uh, but anyways, it's it's great because uh, Faye <laughs> loses his arm because he is just driving down the road and somebody's tire blows out. And there's this amazing crash. Oh, my sequence. God. Yeah. A, a couple of great like car crash, car chase sequences in this film, which is for the most part kind of like slow burn, talky, cerebral. But there's just these bursts of action. And this semi truck rams into Jeff Fahey's sedan and sends not Jeff Fahey, but stuntman Jeff Fahey <laughs> flying through the windshield. And you see it, you go, God damn, that looks grisly. Because <laughs> you see the car like completely accordion. And then you watch the stuntman, and you could tell when they shoot something and they kind of speed up the film stock so it looks like he's, you know, he's moving faster through the windshield. And that's fine because we don't want people to actually get hurt. But it looks like he actually got hit at like 80 miles per hour and, and flew through the windshield. Come to find out, he <laughs> did. And he almost died. He like it's fucking, fine. He flew 50 feet through the fucking air. The best thing about the, the, <laughs> the, the, the best thing about the trivia is they say it's like he nearly died, but instead he was uninjured entirely. So it's fine. Which I'm just yeah. I don't believe that for a second. I think this man was definitely no. injured. I think someone got severely yeah. hurt putting this shit together. Oh my god, you just like watch him crumple as he's like, it hits the glass, you just instantly see him get knocked out, you're like, fuck, that guy is not alive, 110% dead. So, uh, wherever you are, God bless you, bud. But, anyways, what ends up happening is they're able to save Jeff Fahey, but wouldn't you know, his arm got severed uh, because he got launched through a windshield. And so, instead of being stumpy for the rest of his life, uh, a, a brilliant surgeon and this is your Cronenbergian villain, has apparently gotten access to someone who was executed on death row and harvested their limbs to attach to other people. So Jeff Fahey gets an arm, uh, there's an artist who gets an arm, and then a basketball player who gets a couple of legs. And come to <laughs> find two, out... the regular number of Murderous legs. impulses. <laughs> that guy really yeah, a basketball? Is this a pro legs. basketball <laughs> I don't know. Well, he's like, oh, my factory job where I got my <laughs> legs mushed or something. But then they just show him like hooping it up. And you're like, oh, he's kind of big. Although he does wear he wears gym shorts over a pair of sweatpants, which I think is kind of fucking weird. You uh, hide those you probably scars. don't he's need self those. Yeah. Yeah. But then why do you need the shorts over the sweatpants? What does that do? Uh, they just don't want, they, he doesn't want people to see his dick outline or like what's her aerodynamic flair. I, mm, maybe, maybe this was it. the style in, in 1991. I don't know. <laughs> to look like a total fucking goober? Sure. It's, well, it's the 90s, Steve. That it seems distinctly <laughs> possible to me. Sorry, yeah, because Vanilla Ice looked so yeah. cool for his whole career. Oh, the coolest. Yeah, well, listen, if Jeff Fahey had laser lines on the side of his fucking head, <laughs> uh, that would have been way better. But yeah, anyways, uh, it turns out that if you steal the limbs from a serial killer, then you are haunted with the evil impulses and memories of that serial killer who actually might not be dead and may be a torso with a piss bag attached <laughs> living in a fish the tank. The piss bag attached is a beautiful know. touch. That's right. The production designer really stepped yeah. it up that day. That was real good. I'm not sure what's going on I just picture the director standing like... there and he's, he's, like, he's like, you know what? I wanted this to be as realistic as possible. How's this guy going to piss? Yep. Like, is the torso, oh, the torso insignificant? I think the, the significant portion is 
the fact that his head is also put on some Frankenstein body at some point. I yeah, guess. we don't know whose body is calling gets the, the head, but yeah, yeah. It's, yeah this, and it's such is the problem with the film because essentially body parts manifest on the line that the doctor who is doing these reattachment surgeries is actually essentially a Doctor Frankenstein, and she's completely off the register of any kind of medical ethic ethics, and is is reconstructing people out of dead parts. And that, that's kind of a late film yeah, realization. Cool. But it is a problem because it, it, fundamentally the problem with body parts is, and I, I enjoyed this movie, and I think this movie's about three scenes of explicit nudity away from perfection as like a cable TV <laughs> movie. I think that's that's really what we're aiming for here. Uh, it, it just has a problem because it's mostly Jeff Fahey kind of asking stupid philosophical questions like, does evil live in the flesh? Does it live in the skin? Does it live in the brain? And then the rest of the movie is very explicitly like, no, evil is kind of a supernatural thing. Uh, so there's no actual question to answer what he's doing. There's, or there's no answer at all. It, it's, it, the movie's very mixed up in that sense, because it's literally like, you know, where, where is the nature of humanity? What is, you know, the nature of, of, of where is the will placed? And it's like the will is actually completely supernatural and involves telepathy, I guess. Uh, I yeah, don't know. Like it's, it's stupid. Like, mm-hmm. like it doesn't work at all as a as a yeah, dramatic voice. It's like where it stops being a Cronenberg movie, and you realize this is this is an Eric Red movie <laughs> who's who's written some rippers of, uh, yeah. of scripts. You know, he and like Catherine Dark, Bigelow are hell of a team. Blue Steel. Yeah, he's he's done a lot of fun movies, but he's not Cronenberg. You know, and thereby this movie really devolves from like these philosophical uh, queries into this weird homunculus running around <laughs> ripping people's body parts off. And you're like, Dude, the homunculus fucking rocks too, because he's wearing like a neck brace <laughs> and it, keep it's his head like, on. Just to keep his head on, just barely holding on. And I, I, the other thing I don't, I don't understand either is like, I, I don't get why they get to the point, because at one point Jeff Fahey goes to Mrs. Frankenstein, the woman who put the, the arm on him, and says, listen, I'm getting haunting murder nightmares. P.S. I also like cold cocked my eight year old son <laughs> in the living room, which fucking rocks. That was a good scene. And yeah. And, and so he's pretty upset. He's like, just yeah, can you take this thing off? And she's like, absolutely not. Under no circumstances will I take your arm off again. And then within 10 minutes of the movie's runtime, people, the other people that have, have gotten the limbs attached and Jeff Fahey are being stalked for their limbs. It's like Jeff he offered this up he said take it <laughs> yeah it's true yeah because the serial killer basically wants all his limbs back he wants to be put back together so yeah it's fair point jeff a he was like he could have he could have lived but the other guys all got horribly murdered just to reclaim this is an amazing scene in this film uh, a huge car crash um, the, the car crashes in this movie are like weirdly kinetic compared to everything they're, else they're happening incredible. in the film. Yeah, they're incredible kinetic, like fiery affairs. And there's one scene where they have a car crash, like the, the car skids off the road and smashes into the park cars and instantly just explodes in a fireball. And the man inside of the car yeah, is ass. just like scrambling to pick up bloody chunks of like just legs, whole legs severed and arms and like gather them <laughs> all in like the shopping to try and get out of the car 
car while everything is in fire. Remarkable image. I will completely give the credit, it's, the film credit for really that. Good. Yeah, that whole chase is fucking awesome. Yeah, it's, it, it's also complete nonsense where Homunculus just rolls up and like handcuffs himself to Jeff. Yeah, seriously, that whole scene is like something like Maniac Cop Two. Like it's, it's this insane, supercharged action sequence stuck into the middle of a movie mm. that. Where where it just doesn't make any sense. Like most of this movie is Jeff Fahey brooding. Like that's the majority of the film. Yeah, yeah. It's such a weird movie because and no, I'm not disparaging Fahey. I think he has his role in this movie, but I think this character and Fahey probably should be secondary to like you've got Brad Dourif and he's doing something, and yeah. especially if you want to explore this nature of evil stuff and and this element of the painter who's getting his ideas from from the serial killer and this inspiration is that's that's something you've got something there and you've got a performer who's like what if the new Candyman movie was good sure (laughs) that's what it would be yeah you know brad surf is like a breath of fresh air this movie as like we say the artist who was struggling and then suddenly he's painting these like visceral paintings of people being strangled or attacked and like he thinks they're he's plucking the idea out of thin air but it's actually his new arm from an ex-serial killer that's like in place placing this idea this vision in his head he's actually painting like glimpses of actual murders and he doesn't realize it but suddenly he's super popular there, there's definitely something far more compelling to that than the kind of criminal profiler guy who's kind of sad uh, yeah it feels like they the criminal criminal profiler should be the secondary character and who he's meeting up at the bar yeah. and then this should be Dorif's fucking movie. <laughs> Oops. You just reframe your POV character and you've got yourself something probably a lot more compelling. <laughs> yeah. Uh yeah, I, I don't know. This this one is kind of a it's kind of a curiosity and it's it's another one where I'd be like, if you're into dumb dumb Cronenberg, if that appeals to you, um and the idea of goofball 90s frankenstein just kind of you know tickles your fancy i think this is another one it's it's not going to set your world on fire but it's it's fucking fun yeah it is i will die on the hill of humunculus like jack said getting out of a fiery car wreck and trying to collect legs (laughs) off of his dashboard yeah and talk about that will never not be fun talk about a cast of interesting actors you've got it here for sure and also Mm-hmm. I, I feel like we should mention the the climax because I don't know I don't know what they're going for exactly, but it, I think that the it's like literally a Frankenstein thing yeah. because it's it's not. It, I mean, apparently the doctor is not content with uh, you know this miracle of limb transplant, which uh, she's apparently successfully done four times from one body. Seems like a job well done, Doc. But really, her goal yeah was all along to. To uh, apparently execute these transplants and then take back all the limbs <laughs> and rebuild the murderer. That's what I was saying. What what is the fucking point of it? I don't understand. Why? I don't, I don't know. Especially well, with Jeff Faye, Faye, he's he's trying to offer the arm back. He says, take it. And she goes, No, I gotta have Humunculus handcuff you so we could have an amazing car chase <laughs> where two cars are just speeding in parallel of one another, avoiding media. Yeah, no, it's well, it's right. literally Presumably, yeah. Like, yeah, presumably she would have no idea of the consequences that these limbs would have on these people. That's not really a part of it. When she's like denying it, I, I tend to like mm-hmm. think that's an honest denial. Like what your bad shit? Why would an arm make you fucking kill your son or something? But what is her end game? Was she going to like 
I, I, I just don't understand. I mean, obviously, her end game is Frankenstein, conquer death, blah, blah, blah. The, you know, we, we can live beyond the grave. But I, I don't understand where, where, where all these transplants really it, it takes It takes several easy routes out yeah. because by the end of the film, obviously, the, the serial killer's brain, his head gets blown off. So his, his brain is splattered everywhere and he's truly dead. And then Jeff, he just chimes in with like, and from then on, my arm was fine. Okay, cool. That's yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, like, but I mean, didn't she already achieve her goal then? Like, if she put the guy's head on another body and he was good to go, then didn't she conquer death? Like, why is all of a sudden now she's just got all these limbs and charts? she's just I, bad? I just don't understand. Just, just, uh, just you know, a bad doctor, kind of negative vibe. That's that's really what we're into. Mm-hmm. I mean, a good doctor. Yeah. Uh, I mean, very good, wise, but, yeah. but poor, <laughs> poor customer service, I think, is sure. like poor, like great mm-hmm. results, bad Yelp page. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. And it even says in the beginning, it's just like, oh, she's going to win the Nobel Prize. This is so exciting. And I- instead of just doing that and maybe continuing on with her research, nefarious as it may be, she's like, you know, I just want Homunculus to get the legs back. I need those <laughs> legs. That's a special leg to me. Yeah, who needs who Third needs man, adulation whatever. and riches when you could just be completely insane? It's it's so much exactly. it's so much better. I, I've been saying, but yeah, that. no, this I, guy must have been quite the specimen. I'll say that I, he can slam dunk uh, even after his legs have been severed <laughs> off. You know, you put him back on slam dunk time, and uh, yeah, you know, Fahey's new arms twice as powerful as his old one or something. So this this one, yeah, he gets smack an eight year old across the room. <laughs> with a real Hulk. This one takes uh, an interesting thing because because the the character, yeah, the 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 serial killer they get them from, they're like he's committed twenty murders, but then they later reveal like five of them are police officers. So I think in like twenty twenties America, like we're thinking he's fifteen murders and some change. Probably. I mean, we might give him credit yeah, on yeah. this. Right, we'll get yeah. him down to ten, I think. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like five <laughs> off. That's that's probably yeah, just yeah. ten murders. So you're right. That's that's how that adds up. So mm-hmm. that's that's the whole thing. Uh, but yeah, no, I I think definitely this movie is like this is a really solid cable TV joint that just it just needs more just lurid nudity. It like they should go to a strip club at some point. They forget to do that and it's kind of a shame. It just feels like mm-hmm. if a 12-year-old me would enjoy this movie a lot, but I'd feel cheated, you know? So, got to yeah. get that balance, yeah. get it right. Yeah, there is it, it, it just doesn't quite go far enough. I do want a harder R on this thing. Even yeah, just just take your bar scene, which it, it evolves into a, a crazy brawl, and give me some more like violence from the fly. You know, these guys are all juiced up on their super limbs. Uh, have them snapping bones, and also have some strippers on the stage in the bar. You got yourself a ten out of ten. There you go. Yeah, no, I think that's really funny. The scene where he like beats up a guy at the bar for harassing him, and then he beats up all his friends. They all look like they're dressed like generic bikers, and it's just kind of like, can you imagine <laughs> beat the biker gang where every single one you were beaten up by a criminal psychologist one night? <laughs> you never be able to talk to each other again. Like that gang has been disbanded. No one is. No one is putting on those denims anymore. So, one more question before we we move forward, because there is there's a fucking elephant in the room here that we have not addressed. What the fuck is Zake's bouquet doing as Detective Sawchuck? Because <laughs> it's very confusing. Yeah, who's great? I I think Jeff Jeff Fahey is is cast 
perfectly. Yeah. Like I, I, he's he's just weird, and he has this presence that I can't quite quantify, but I like it. And then you've got this guy who is, I mean, he's a pretty acclaimed, yeah. largely a character actor. Uh, he's South African, but he's supposed to play like the lead homicide detective for like who also who uh, also shows up for bar a fights. New York City police officer. Yeah, who shows up for bar <laughs> fights for some reason, and. Every time that he's interacting with Jeff Fahey, you, you get the feeling that they're not even in the same room. It's, <laughs> they're having different conversations. Yeah, it's... It's so it's weird. It's odd, yeah. I mean, I know, I know, is okay from, like, Dust Devil, which is a great horror movie, but, like, it's an African-based horror movie, and a South African actor makes sense. He worked in England for years, but, like, he's, he's very unequivocally, obviously, a South African actor. Um, so it's a bit weird for him to just show up as like the the detective or like the desk detective on the night who kind of gets roped into the whole thing. He seems seems like a really weird kind of a person to bring in. But yeah, I don't I Part of part of that is also kind of like I think there's kind of a fun flavor quotient to that in a movie that like mm -hmm. isn't it's not quite firing all cylinders. So it just, it, it kind of helps where you're like, why is the police officer clearly not American? Like that's kind of a weird one, but sure. Why not? Yeah. It I works. think it Eric works. Red's priority like, was just like, get all weird, interesting character actors. Uh, it doesn't matter if they make sense. Just get them in here. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. And, yep. and to the, and, and that to works. that end, Brad Dourif is great i think in his small role he does a really great job of just as like the the painter who is like kind of like enamored with his own newfound success of just painting weird graphic gory paintings he's he's you know but like the money's good so whatever i'm not gonna ask any more questions it's it's pretty pretty solid role from him and i agree with adam probably maybe this should be a brad duroff movie so Oops. Yeah, well, that's mm -hmm. yeah. It goes without saying that he's like name a movie where Brad Dourif isn't fucking <laughs> that's great. True, right? Yeah, guy rules. Mm -hmm. Well, again, an another hit, and then <laughs> I guess our final hand movie in the Grand Hand trilogy, spanning three full decades of hand films, almost. I think this one came out in 1999, but uh, the film is, of course. The only movie where Devin Sawa's severed hand scalps the singer of the offspring, it's, uh, it's idle hands. And uh, shit, man, I don't know. I, I thought this was something completely different. I, I always <laughs> lump it in with like, I, there's this weird, like transitioning into the 21st century, but not quite there yet. Like, uh, like Gen X slacker, but not in the cool subversive way, like in the early nineties, but just in this kind of cynical studio way. So I'm thinking like Joe's apartment. Yeah. The MTV and, uh, film monkey bone. Yeah. 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 And then you've got idle hands, which is a horror comedy, I, I guess. <laughs> Nominally. And this one gets shit on a lot, a lot. I, I think even when it came out, like it was, I just remember getting eviscerated by critics and it's not great, but it, 
there's something going on it's, here. It's not awful. I feel like it's almost there. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, the last episode we watched all four House movies. So frankly, Idle Hands is yeah. it's doing fine. It's not terrible. And it could be a House movie. It really there's, there's could. a couple of houses in this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, there's definitely overlap. Because, <laughs> because if I had a complaint, uh, a complaint about Idle Hands, it is that it is kind of like a shapeless, amorphous lump of a film. It is, there's almost no structure to it whatsoever things just happen because they seem like they don't know what's happening at any point they don't really know why mm -hmm. anything should happen there's no overarching thesis it's just like here's the saddest most pathetic man in the world but he definitely deserves the love of the pretty girl next door but some bad stuff happens why does the bad stuff happen we're not entirely sure don't dwell on that here's some more things here's seth green he's very funny and and the film just kind of like just kind of meanders away on its own, like kind of like a disembodied hand itself, frankly, just sort of just kind of like keep mm -hmm. going on memory, just sort of like carrying out its its own kind of remembered tasks. I guess it could be like it's a punchline. True line. to its nature, <laughs> don't you think? Like there could be a punchline to this idea that we don't know why his hand is possessed, and then it's it's revealed late that. It's like the fucking demon possesses like the most worthless piece of shit, right, lazy yes. asshole in a city. And that should be a punchline. That should be a really funny reveal. And it's kind of not because there's so much other stuff that's happening almost independently of this that is also like completely unexplained, such as his friends returning <laughs> zombies. Yes, uh, his which I, I don't understand that. Uh, well, that just, okay, that's so, just, I saw American Werewolf uh, yeah. in London and fucking thought it'd be cool to throw it by movie. <laughs> <laughs> totally, totally. Now, again, to the movie's credit, it, it, there is something here. Like, it, it's, it's got its charms. I think Devin Sawa's good. Um, he plays a, a useless piece of shit really well. Um, it, it I, I, as far as like stoner comedies go from the 90s, it's one of the least annoying. So that's worth fucking patting him on the back for, I suppose. But yeah, I, I think it struggles because at some point, instead of following a pretty like clear path that the narrative sets forth, it, it goes off on all these tangents that don't they they don't add up to anything, and they're not they're not fun and they're not funny. There's not a lot of jokes in no. this movie, and it's it's just bizarre. Like yeah, his friends come back. Why do his friends come back? Because. It, the movie's got good special effects and it was fun to do that. And you probably saw American werewolf in London. Why don't his parents come back? They were murdered. Well, I, maybe Fred Willard demanded too much money. I'm not <laughs> sure, but they don't, no. they don't. And the other people who get murdered. Don't just his friends for uh, whatever That's reason. Part of the, part of the and, issue for the film is like, and I think one of the issues that kicks against everything else is the fact they're like, there's no emotional shape to the film because like, yeah, his parents get murdered and he discovers their mutilated corpses, and he's just sort of like, guess I better bury them, and he just buries his parents, and then he continues hitting on the girl next door. Like, it's just no... And he's not yeah. like he hates his parents or anything. No. It's just, like, there's no human kind of relatability to the character at all. Nothing, like, mm -hmm. and without that, like, even... Once you skip over these very fundamental kind of anchoring points... The rest of the movie doesn't make a lick of sense. Like, none of it can stand up. Because who the hell is this character? What the hell is right. going on? It's yeah. like the archetype you'd see executed much better in, like, Shaun of the Dead, where you can get away with these gags where he's, like, 
completely oblivious to the chaos that's like unfolding around him because it's not his fucking parents. It's like you, you can't mm-hmm. you can't add in that level of like intimacy with the the, <laughs> the danger because then it's like what is this guy like a fucking psychopath? Like why am I, why am I rooting for him? I know it's it's basically like he's Michael Caine in the hand. You're like, oh no, he's actually doing the murders. This thing <laughs> yeah. about his hand being possessed isn't true, and but it is true. That's the thing. Yeah, uh, yeah. And then the idea that I mean, I I get why he wants to bang Jessica Alba. Like, you know, a couple of dead parents isn't going to get in the way of that. But I, I don't understand why Jessica Alba wants to bang him, and that's not partic- explored particularly well. So you've got this love interest, and then you've got this side story. Where there's like a demon hunter uh, played by uh, Vivica Fox who's trying to find the hand and she's triangulated the location because it makes a a pentagram and all this shit. But really her role is, it's like nothing. It's it's completely like inconsequential in the grand scheme of things. And uh, yeah, it it just, it builds to this uh, climax where they're at a school dance. And the hand is going to murder everyone, and particularly Jessica Alba as a, like a sacrifice to Satan. And so uh, it it ends in the dumbest way humanly possible. What was the, that where, stupid thunder bong or what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, there's like a bong made out of a carburetor, and then his friend whose head was severed uh, bumps uh, something in the auto shop, and it drops a car on Devin Sawa, and then he he dies but then he doesn't die and then his friends become guardian angels and you're just like what the fuck is even go-? like why don't you go with it like there's there's you have the ending he saves jessica alba everything's fine like it's there and then they go no let's drop a fucking car it's a weirdly it. religious ah. film at the end it's like very much in, like it's it's basically they're like segueing from idle hands teen sex horny comedy to like highway to heaven episode by the end of it, it's like, yes, your friends, oh, yeah, are, your friends are gone, but they'll protect you. And it's like, what? Does anyone want this? Do I want my my stoner I friend to help me? There, there has got to be another ending to this movie that exists <laughs> somewhere because there's no way that it was just that this was what was on the fucking. Funny, I, this, I can, was, this is the reshoot. I can confirm this to you because the director's bio on IMDb. By the way, the director of this film is Timothy Chalamet's uncle. Just, you know, in case we want to go into the <laughs> weird incestuous levels of Hollywood. But one of his directing credits is Idle Hands alternate ending. What that is, who knows? But yeah, there, there's definitely more than one ending to this film. And it shows, I mean, the film, the whole film feels like it was like kind of sticky taped together from scenes. It, it doesn't have any kind of a flow at all. No. Uh, it, yeah, it really does feel like, I don't, I don't know if it was a hatchet job, but. It does like the way that it's fragmented and the way that there's no connective tissue <laughs> with the different story beats. It it really feels hacked to pieces. But again, it, it does have a certain charm to it. And I think part of that is, you know, it is the most late 90s ass movie you will ever see. Oh, in your it's fucking life. wild. Like literally like, within three seconds of the opening credits starting, you can place the film within a five-year period. Like, like no quite, like, instantly oh, yeah. you're just like, oh, this is from, like, 1999, mm-hmm. 2004. Like, unquestionably. Yeah. But, but, with that in mind, like, it, it's so of that time, aesthetically, and just with 
got the soundtrack and everything, which we can talk about that. But the other thing that I really like about it is it's right on the cusp. It's like this pre cell phone internet, you know, ubiquity era. And the cool thing about the narrative here is th this movie, this could have been like, uh, like an eighties horror comedy movie. Like it, it has, it has that feel to it and it's got these great practical effects. Uh, so you have something that is very of the time while at the same time you can, you can see how it would fit into other eras too. And it, I don't know. It's, it's just it, that part of it is good that there's like a really solid core here. So they don't do anything with it. I don't know. I, I can't get behind it just because anytime there might be something I like, it's just like, and then it's, it's spliced together with like, Two zombies ripping a bong <laughs> and fucking Santeria blasting down your ear holes. It's like, I mean, it is I, frustrating. Uh, that, oh. Like, I do think probably the two best characters in this are Vivica A. Fox as the the priestess voodoo priestess who's kind of like sidelined through the whole movie, despite being the only person who knows what's going on. Her and Jack Noseworthy as like the like kind of just like older kind of like metal head guy who's really into her like their their energy and repartee i think is probably the strongest thing in the movie and it's entirely an afterthought like they they don't really know what to do with it they're in definitely like side yeah. characters uh you know they're absolutely they're pinning so much on seth green being funny in this movie which Many producers have done do that. <laughs> I don't know what. I don't even have anything particularly against Seth Green. He just, he's not the guy mm -hmm. that apparently people in the 90s and early 2000s thought he was. Because you look back on these movies and you're like, yeah, I, w I wouldn't have put that in his hands. He's not, that's not what he's for. But well, here I mean, he is again. I guess he's doing better than his fucking cohort. Old Foggy Nelson there. Uh <laughs> What Eldon Hansen, Jesus Christ, what a fucking nightmare that guy is in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, to be fair, I mean, you know, good, good, uh, you know, Seth Green is not Devon Saw on this film. Seth Green went on to create some luminary productions as Robot Chicken, uh, which is, I've only seen an episode or two of it, it's the most scatological fucking ADHD bullshit I've ever seen in my life. But you know what, whatever, it, it could be worse, probably. You know, so, you know, good for him. But it, yeah, like the, the movie is very much like, it's Seth Green, your favorite stoner guy. And it's kind of like, yeah, that's, I don't think I'm that invested in him, thanks. But okay. And this is my reaction in 1999, as it is now in 2023. It's the same thing. He's like, that's all right. Can we look at someone else? But probably not Devin Sawa either, because he's really... I, you know, he, he works the material well enough, I think, but he's not a tremendously charismatic center point for the film. He's not really holding it up that well. Um, I, I, which I get, you know, mm -hmm. actually all of the people, like Jessica Alba, very beautiful girl, not really that great as a lead character. I think her careers probably kind of bore that out. Um, so, yeah, they really could have done us something more. It's probably a reason I'm looking at Vivica A. Fox in this and going, like, that person has some real energy. She's, like, she's in this movie, and then they tried to get rid of her. They're like, you're in this movie, but only for five minutes. And I was like, please, give us something. Help us out yeah. here. <laughs> yeah, I, I totally agree. I think those characters are, are much more interesting, uh, even if they don't make an effort to make them make sense. Like, I, like when yeah. they steal that guy's truck, I'm like, why is the guy's truck, like, parked at their fucking house? That's not really, like, 
none of it makes spatial sense. It's just, a, but it's the sort of movie where it's like, I don't know, man, pass the fucking roach and we'll get through it together, I guess. But. <laughs> yeah, a lot of the shortcomings of this are de definitely just like, oh, if you never smoked weed? I was like, yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> just keep going. Yeah. It it gets away with a lot just on that. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's who this is for. So just hand wave it away. <laughs> I, I'm watching much, the alternate ending in the background right now. It's far too long, but uh, <laughs> it, it it's at least it's much more visually interesting. Some sort of like swimming pool to hell, and it's got like a Day of the Dead arms bursting out of the wall thing. It looks like a superior choice. I gotta say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The low bar. I, but... I guess maybe maybe they thought it was too cynical, so they they reshot to like what's what's the best ending we could have. The best thing you could have is you just end with, like, him saving Jessica Alba and they kiss and then it's done. But like the well, best I guess this one doesn't involve a big super bong, so you gotta get, you gotta the, the, stimulate The best ending is probably Devin Sawa's character getting dragged to hell and everyone being like, well, he wasn't that much of a person to begin with, it's probably fine. Like, that seems like probably <laughs> the okay ending, is like, he seemed like kind of a piece of shit. So, uh. No. Yeah. That's fair. All right. Well, we should probably wrap things up. So, uh, Jack, what are you putting over this week? Oh, that's a great question. You know, because most of the movies I watched this week involve severed hands for some fucking reason. Uh, you knows? guys. Uh, I'm, I'm going to put over... Uh, I've just been watching... In between everything, I'm watching Hong Kong movies. I watched uh, Ricky Lau's 1985 uh, Hong Kong comedy Mr. Vampire. It's a goofy-ass movie. It's It's like... The first five minutes of it are like a horror movie, like a vampire kind of like scary movie. And then they forget anything to do with comedy or with horror. And it just becomes a comedy. It just becomes an absurd kind of a, a crazy movie uh, that has an entirely mostly unrelated ghost story that just takes up a good chunk of the movie, too. But visually, it's really creative. It's a lot of fun. It's got a lot of really wild sequences. It's not really a martial arts movie, but there's still a fair share of like wild stunt work as they like try and get away from the vampires etc so yeah mr vampire it's it was a, it was an important movie in hong kong it kicked off like a whole wave of of asian vampire movies in the 80s so if nothing else that's you know that's something to look at but uh yeah mr vampire by ricky lau it's it's fun Myros, what are you putting over this week? Uh, as per usual, I haven't watched Jack shit, so I'm going to put over uh, an Eric the Red, or Eric Red movie. You know, Eric Red, he's the... Eric, <laughs> Eric the, Red. the Red, yes. <laughs> I'm going to put over Eric the Red. No, uh, as many pillagings. No, there's um, uh, The Hitcher. The Hitcher is, you want to talk about like a perfect cable uh, movie, there you go. Like, this is the one where he, he nails everything, I feel like. this. He did not direct mm -hmm. it, but he... It's, it's a really tight script, and you talk about, you know, what what maybe body parts could have been in the hands of, of Brad Dourif, leading character. Well, here you've got Rutger Hauer, and he's he's doing some shit. And uh, The Hitcher is a movie that if you see it on TV, you should you should always watch it. It's it's a classic. No, absolutely, absolutely. I've only ever seen it on TV. I've never seen The Hitcher on. Yeah, well, that's all right. Because it used to play all the time when I was a kid, and I fucking loved it. Because Rucker Hauer is a badass, and it's just, 
I don't know, like just just the whole look of it. It's got it's got good vibes. There's a fancy like oh, 4K yeah, coming pretty soon, I think. See, they did a big deep ooh. dive. I think Second Sight in the UK have a 4K okay. coming. That's exciting. Yeah, no, it's a big it's, deal because this. It, that's one of those movies that's uh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's it's been, people were not expecting anyone to be able to dig it out, and it looks like it's going to happen. So it's it's going to be exciting. Hell yeah, get down with that. All right, well. This week, I'm, I'm the new gamer god in town, so I'm going to put over a couple games. Um, the, the first one is, uh, it's, a, it's a Doom 2 mod, and it's called My House. Oh, I've heard of this. And, uh, yeah, it's very fucking cool. Um, basically, there's this whole thing in the modding community uh, for, for Doom and Doom 2, which has been going on for, I mean, fuck, since the game came out, basically. So, 30 years. And... Uh, people used to do this thing where they would basically like, oh, like I'm going to build my house in Doom or whatever. So th this is like a very common type of mod. And essentially, they still have these like Doom mod message boards. And there was a guy who had been posting since, <clears throat> I don't know, the early 2000s or something ridiculous. And he posted this mod. And he was like, yeah, my friend passed away. And uh, he had been working on this mod. Uh, and it was, you know, uh, of his house or whatever. So I finished it for him. And I just want to upload it in his memory. So something really nice. And then people downloaded it and uh, they realized it's this like completely like fucked up horror game <laughs> under the thin veneer of like, I did a nice thing for my friend. It's great. Uh, it does things that you don't normally see done with the Doom engine, like just the way architecturally things are, are laid out. Uh, I, I don't understand how he did some of the stuff. Uh, it's, it's really cool. Now, if you're saying... I don't know how to download like a, a specific modified version of Doom 2 and then add a, a, a WAD file on top of that to launch this game. That's fine. You could figure it out if you want to, but if you don't want to play it, if you go on YouTube, uh, there's some good walkthrough videos that people have done, and uh, I, I would recommend watching one of those because it's, it's really fucking good. Now... If you're not interested in Doom, another thing I've, I've been playing a little bit of is uh, this game called Tape to Tape, which is, what if NHL 94 was a, was a roguelike? Ooh. So, it's, it's really, really fun. It plays like a retro hockey game, uh, but, you know, you, you add different guys to your roster, and then you get perks for winning games, and uh, it, it's, it's really fun. It scratches my nostalgic sports game itch, and then also... Uh, you know, it, it's a roguelike, which I play far too many of. And Mario, she'll be happy to know that it, it is a roguelike, but it's not particularly difficult, like overly difficult. So I, th I think you could handle it. Well, I am uh, pretty good yeah. at NHL 94. I mean, well, shit then. You're, you're pretty much set. All the tricks work, too, like a little wraparound from behind the oh, net yeah. and setting up the one-timers. It, it, all, it all tracks, man. It's all there. So highly recommend that as well. So if you're listening to this podcast right now, if you look in the description, you will see a link to our Patreon. And why would you want to click on that link to our Patreon? And the answer is, so you can give us money. Uh, what does that money go towards? Well, it goes towards keeping the podcast running. Podcast hosting is, is expensive, and you're helping us out. And, you know, we, maybe someday we can do other stuff, like, you know, buy Adam Iris a gun, uh, sign Jack up for the Marines. What did we decide the third one was going to be? <laughs> God, that's a... 
we're all no, gonna we're go going to can. Oh, yeah, we're going to Cannes. No, that's the can, new yeah. one. Yeah, we, we want to go there. <laughs> that's, that's the new one. <laughs> maybe maybe after, we go in the Jack off season. If duty. we go in the off season, it's going to be cheaper. So maybe <laughs> we hit we hit Cannes in December. What do you think? I yeah, we'll, we'll go. Yeah, we'll go to the south of France in December. And then just watch whatever's at the local. Yeah, I will review it thoroughly. We'll, we'll put out effusive reviews three seconds after the movie's end credits have finished. It'll I be mean, just like would, the real thing. Yeah. This would be a more constructive use of our, our time, frankly, than just being one of the, you know, 50,000th person <laughs> reviewing the film's actually arrogant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, I enjoy just watching like Alex Billington and Matt Neglio, like, just rush to be the first person to post a rating on uh, Letterboxd after this. There's, no, there's nothing yeah, I love I, more than flirting that a movie I'm going to watch in four months is handsomely mounted. It's, it's <laughs> serious. It's an important <laughs> thing to me. I suppose the other option, and this would admittedly be a little more expensive, is we could go during the festival and just not attend the festival fucking at all. That could yeah, also work. Yeah, no. like the beach looks lovely there, and yeah, you'd see, yeah. you'd we still just see get some people up on the beach. <laughs> yeah. just... I, I, I vote we go, we go there, and we get fucked up on the beach, and then we just, we just review all the movies. Like I'll read whatever like Mad Libs bullshit. Can you imagine being like six cans and natty light deep, and just shouting at Kristen Stewart from like two hundred yards away? Like that, <laughs> that sounds like the dream to me. But Jack, you drink a natty yeah, light? Aren't you an man. ally, man? I don't fucking know what's <laughs> available on the side. Of the what am I supposed to be, like wine coolers? I don't fucking know. I don't, oh yeah, what's what's the French natty light? I'm not even sure. <laughs> I don't know if France has a natty light. They've just got table wine made by the nearest farmer who may or may not be like an incestuous fucking cannibal. Who knows? Doesn't matter. It's cheap. Mm -hmm, it's alcoholic. Probably. It's probably fine. It's not fine yeah, unless no, it's Bud Light. Make mine Bud Light. <laughs> <laughs> what I want to know is like, okay, so I mean, we've got we've got like Chad GPT and people are worried about like the ethics of AI, et cetera, et cetera. Why don't we prove that AI can be good by using it what it was meant to be for, which is a Matt Neglia review generator? <laughs> like, I feel like that is easy enough. I think that basically his he writes like he's AI. Like it's just I I, I can't like the guy is like. I don't know what his fucking deal is. Like, let me, I'm, I'm literally bringing up one of his reviews right now just because I, I need say, to. I think Dolly could do some real stuff with his face, too, I must say. Oh, my God. I think we could get some <laughs> all, wonderful all things are, <laughs> Everything he writes is pretty much just like, the story is rooted in characters. Outstanding. And it's like, oh, thank you. That's really, I will, I'll prioritize that one. Thanks. Yeah, that's, that's really good stuff. All right, I've got his page up. But yeah, he's posting all these pictures of him. Just looking like a fucking greased bowling ball. Like, <laughs> with us, like, oh, here he is, Christmas Stewart. How he does he get to con? Like, what the fuck? How is he? The There's, like, numerous real critics in the world who are not able to go to con, but this dude is getting selfies. Yeah. Like, he's getting it. Well, listen, here's, here's his review of The Breaking Ice. The Breaking Ice is Anthony Chen's best-looking film to date. The icy setting may be cold, but the introspective storytelling of its three main characters and how it examines China's youth through their love triangle is as warm as it gets. Three captivatingly nuanced performances. Uh, <laughs> like, wow, that makes me, that makes me think of oh, like Ang Lee's one. The Ice Storm, which also based on the title is a cold movie, but with the warmth of the main characters is something... Uh, is this a connection? Are they the same movie? Who the fuck knows? 
Not Matt Nagley, I can tell you that uh, much. Listen, let me let me give you his uh, his review of The New Boy. Not so hot on this one. The New Boy is a sumptuous-looking film basked in the Australian sun with a splendid-sounding score. Plot lines aren't fully developed, lacks focus in its overall faith-based messaging. More of a showcase for the mostly silent, silent as one read than the typically reliable Cate Blanchett. Mm. I hate when the owner develops the story. Should have said, uh, I prefer DJ Qualls, the new guy. I go well. <laughs> I, I like that he gets a freebie. I was just thinking about DJ Qualls. He gets a freebie because it's Australian. Oh, under the Australian sun, as opposed to like, a you can't just say a movie's under the American sun. That doesn't mean anything, but the Australian <laughs> sun is obviously very, that's a major thing. That makes it like Picnic and Hanging Rock. What the fuck is this? Les Régions Animales, which I'm guessing you saw again. The Animal Kingdom is a wholly unique vision from Thomas Calais. A captivating sci-fi drama and coming-of-age story where humans mutate into animals. That just sounds like fucking Animorphs. I prefer Rob Schneider's The Animal. <laughs> you should just join Letterboxd to comment and let them know that. See, Fucking Neglia. Uh, oh, wait, I was telling people why they should donate to our Patreon. <laughs> we got sidetracked. Uh, it's not just because I, I use our podcast to read Matt Neglia Letterboxd reviews on air. Um, no, I mean, you get stuff. If you live in the continent of the United States, I will send you a movie from my personal collection. That's a free fucking DVD, Blu-ray, whatever the fuck. I got some good shit, too. Now is the best time ever to give us a couple bucks. Uh, and then at the higher tier, if you go $5 or more, uh, you, get, uh, you get to vote on future episodes. And uh, you also get your name right out on the air. So, Myros, who are five and above right oh, now? Oh, Steve, we got, we got big news. Uh, yeah, yeah, what up? We, we got someone who's going to be calling the shots. <laughs> Oh shit! What? Yep, yep. Oh shit! Yeah. <laughs> What's going on? We got a new twenty-fiver, uh, Sam Sanchez, who uh, is, is. I will be contacting you soon. <laughs> Please be uh, kind, Mister Sanchez. Yeah, brother. Lord knows what Mister Sanchez has in store for us, but uh, at that tier, <laughs> you are able to. Uh, it's fucking hentai time. You are able to dictate an episode, so uh, we are in your hands, Mister Sanchez, and, and we will be contacting you shortly. And Steve will also be uh, contacting oh. you for. Yeah, shipping information, presumably. So, yeah. uh, beyond. Gotta send, gotta send the homie a, a movie. Yeah, That's yeah. good. All right, well, welcome to the fold, Mr. Sanchez. Who else we got at the uh, five and above? We level? also have CWW, Evan, Ryan, Dustin, and Paula. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, uh, yeah, and, and as Myra said, if you're at the 25 and above level, uh, whether you can do that reoccurringly, which would be amazing, uh, or if you just want to do that once and then bump it back down to whatever, um, if you give us $25, you get to pick a full ass episode. So, uh, Mr. Sanchez, like you said, we'll be contacting you to figure out what our fate is. Uh, I, I think it's a good time for a whale cast. A lot of people are probably saying, you know, oh, it, it, we're past the Oscars. Why would you want to cover the whale? And, uh, and maybe you haven't been watching the news, Myros, but, uh, there's a lot of whales fucking sinking yachts right now. The whales are revolting. <laughs> the European this whales fucking... are getting smarched. Yeah. You ever, you ever go you ever go whale mode on a super yacht? <laughs> so you fucking you grease it up with mayonnaise and fold it between two pizzas and fucking crush it. Oh. The, <laughs> it's how you eat the rich. Pepper. Yeah, <laughs> fucking Shamu is gonna bust your ass open. Um, yeah, I mean, oh, God, Triangle of Sadness would have been a way better movie if it was about killer whales eating rich people. Oh, that that would have been a huge improvement. Yeah, it would be closer to Samuel Holmes' Moon Warriors, which has a killer whale in it. See, see, well, Hollywood, call us up. We're fucking ready. <laughs> Anyways, I what the fuck was I even talking? We were going off in all <laughs> different directions, but 
Uh, yeah, anyways, it, it, in addition to all these things, if, if you are donating at any level, whether it's a couple bucks or $25, you also get access to um, our whole back catalog of Optimus Vaccine content, and that includes uh, special Patreon-only episodes. There's written content from over the years uh, for as long as we've been doing this, so all kinds of good shit. And uh, that is all yours to peruse. New episode coming. We're going to record it this week. I, I'm dictating that. Expect no mercy, but expect a new episode on no mercy. Expect no mercy. Yeah. For Patreon subscribers. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's never been a better time to be a Patreon subscriber. Um, yeah, so if you, you know, if you listen right now and you have any questions, comments, death threats, marriage proposals, optimismvaccine at gmail.com. You can always email us or you can tweet at us at optimismvaccine. And Fuck, man. Do you think where I'm shouting out to producer Colin again? What is the most appropriate song to end on this week? And a lot of people are saying, well, why not the offspring playing the Ramones? And uh, no, that's a fucking bonehead idiot answer. Uh, the real answer is the hit song from Jewel Hands. You remember Hands, Myros? Uh, no, no, I don't. No, it was it was like a, it was a kind of like a flop single, actually, for her. Like it, it followed up her big album and it didn't do so well. But. Uh, it's a real shitty song, and I feel like we're going to let producer Colin kind of go wild here, and does it sound dumber when it's sped up too oh, fast? Wait, this is, it's it coming back when right now. That's a Celine Dion song, I think. What about, uh, yeah, what about Fuel's Hemorrhage in My Hand? That could be, that could be another option. In my hands again! <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Maybe we get a little we bit get of a hand We're just going to let Colin... <laughs> You know, we, we could have yeah, done Manos the Hands talk. of Fate this episode and we forgot. I mean, the hands are still attached to the maiden. It's where they jostle that poor fucker to yeah. death like no one's business. <laughs> There's a movie with, with some... Uh, we saw some movies that had uh, uh, unsuspectingly good... Uh, <laughs> car chases. And there's, there's a movie that opens with the worst car sequence <laughs> of all time. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's Lord. cinema verite. Right. It's just in a car. I'm <laughs> <laughs> just watching a car in real time. <laughs> fucking Hong Sae too was fucking inspired by that. Uh, all right. Well, yeah. It, uh, th thank you, gentlemen, as always, and we'll be back here.